Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. All right, welcome back and welcome to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who through adversity, grit, and persistence are forging the path to being the best version of themselves. They join us and give you the tools to do the same. We are extremely blessed and honored to have Mr. Eric Twiggs with us today. And let me give you a little bit of background. He is the founding partner and president of the What Now Movement. He is the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Habits to Overcome Procrastination. He also is the host of a weekly inspirational podcast, The 30-Minute Hour, helping executive leaders and entrepreneurs find fulfillment. More than anything, he is your procrastination prevention partner. Mr. Eric Twiggs, man, thanks for being here. How are you today? Fantastic. Thank you for having me on your show, Jeremy. Yeah, man. Cool. So we were talking a little bit pre-show and and our audience, man, you have some amazing things going on in your life right now. Obviously, the the 30-minute hour and and that podcast and and again, everything that you're leading and doing, the author, the book, the the leader, this just all things. But let's go back a little bit, man. How did you get there? What were some of those turning points that got you where you are today? Yeah, for me, it all started in college. It was my senior year at Hampton University. And I was having this conversation with a good friend of mine. His name is Donnell. And Jeremy, I have to admit, he and I were a little different at the time, right? He he was all about his purpose and I was all about the party. And he'd always be giving me a hard time, Eric, man, you need to get serious, figure out what you want to do, stop wasting so much time. And I'm like, man, loosen up. We have plenty of time for all that serious stuff. Are you coming to the frat party with me or not? (laughs) Time goes by. He and I don't talk. But then I get a phone call from his mother informing me of the fact that he was killed in a car accident. Mm. Changed everything for me. It sent me a message that maybe I don't have the time that I think to do the things that I want to do. And really, that's that was the beginning. That was when I started focusing on becoming as productive as possible, overcoming procrastination, and paying attention to how I was spending my time. Wow. Well, anybody listening who has gone through a death, right, can relate to that, right? Is that moment of like, oh, wow, did I tell them I love them? Did I, the little things that we think about them, and then we think, wow, that's an incredible insight to say, well, I don't have the time I think I do. When you have that revelation, what happens next? What does that college dude do? I thought the message was to go out and get my income up there and and climb the corporate ladder. And that's actually really what I was all about. My thinking is, hey, time is short. You have to become a success. You have to make money, make this income. And I got to a point where I felt like I had done that. I was a district manager in automotive service. I had 17 locations. I had 500 employees. We're winning these awards for profit. I'm driving around in my BMW. Everything is going great. But then I, I had this moment. I, I'm sitting at the stoplight. I look in the rearview mirror, and the eyes that were looking back at me 
or the eyes of someone who hated what he was doing. Again, it was, it was another one of these moments and it sent me the message that stays with me today that sometimes impact is more important than income. Wow. Yes. You got to expand on that. Let's dive deep into that. Impact is more important than income. You're speaking my language, man. Like I talk about impact all the time. Uh, you're actually a step ahead of me from where we're going, but we kind of know how you got there. But what changes do you make to say, okay, what impact am I leaving instead of what income do I have? Yeah, I think it's all about that awareness piece. But yeah, for me, it was all about climbing the corporate ladder, trying to become successful, trying to do this, trying to do that. But I didn't feel fulfilled. Like I didn't feel like what I was accomplishing was significant to the point that, you know, when I'm gone, it's going to really leave an impact. I figured, you know, if I was gone from being a district manager, they would hire the next district manager. I didn't feel like I was really leaving that impact. I had to really do some soul searching. Think about what was it that I wanted to do? What what did I really want to do? And I thought it was about making money. But then finally, after some painful time, I realized that I felt the most connected and fulfilled when I was speaking to a group, Mm -hmm. right? so, So there was a time in my career where I was a corporate trainer and I would do these training classes and I would always think, man, you know, there are people that get paid to do this all the time. Man, that must be really cool. And, and I, I would feel je- even like, you know, within my church, I would do little presentations in the community. And I would always leave like, you know, I could just do this all the time. Then finally, after some procrastination time, literally like three years from the time mm. I, I realized that I needed to be in a professional speaking lane till I actually started doing something. Finally, I, I said, OK, I'm just going to join Toastmasters International. You know, they, they do speaking. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to start there. That's, I'm passionate about this public speaking thing. So I'm just going to follow my passion. And I joined Toastmasters and I met someone who trained professional speakers. Mm. And then I, I got his course and I implemented like one idea he gave me and it like paid for his course and I had money left over and all that. And I'm like, oh, there's something to this thing. After that, people started telling me, Hey, you know, you should join the National Speakers Association. And then when I did that, I met one of my most important mentors, Dr. Willie Jolly. And he went on to write the forward to my book. So the steps started to reveal themselves. So the big takeaway is, is to really search within yourself and ask, you know, what am I passionate about? You know, what, what what's that thing I would do for free? If it didn't pay any money, I would still do it anyway and I'd still work hard at it. I, I think that's how you get from that place of, you know, just making income to having an impact. Mm, That's beautifully said. And I think that, that so many people fall into that category of making income or, or thinking that, that BMW or that big house or that those material things are going to actually lead us to fulfillment. And so one of the things that I've read about you is helping leaders and entrepreneurs and, and well, I mean, I'm, heck, people in general, I'm sure, find fulfillment. So when did you realize there are things that I can do, there's accomplishment, and then there's fulfillment, and the difference between the two, and, and when did you find that, and what was that revelation for you? Well, for me, 
Fulfillment was more about impacting other people in a positive way. I'm your most competitive type A personality. I want to win. I want to see my name at the top of the leaderboard. I'm playing to win. We're playing golf. I don't care what it is. I'm playing to win. But (laughs) I have to admit, I feel that sense of fulfillment when that light bulb goes off for someone or someone pulls me to the side. Like I had this happen recently and they said, you know, years ago I bought your CD at that trade show and it, it, I was procrastinating and inspired me to start my business. Now I'm in my business. Those types of things really, that's impact for me. That's the difference between impact and accomplishment. You're really impact, you know, having that effect on someone. Here's the beauty of that is it took you actually doing something to have that impact, right? That's where I think most people, they listen to this and they go, well, you know, Eric and Jeremy, they found their calling. And I tell people all the time, like, I didn't find anything. Like I I created it by recognizing and being aware of things that I loved. And and I I love what you said, Eric, because you noticed, oh man, I really, I really enjoy doing that. And I didn't just go, okay, that's cool. And maybe I can do it every now and then. You said, how do I get better at it? Okay, Toastmasters. How do I get the next step? Okay, join this. By you increasing your skill level, by you getting better more doors open, other things. And then what ends up happening is the discipline of now <laughs> and leaving an impact. So give us some more insight into what exactly is the discipline of now. So the discipline of now, and I have the perspective that you know I've done over 28,000 plus coaching sessions with entrepreneurs and executive leaders. And so I, I see people that they get good results and I see someone else who gets great results. Mm. And in most cases, they know a lot of the same things. It's not a difference in knowledge level. And it's not that much of a difference in skill level a lot of times. But the difference is that person that gets great results, they have this ability to do the, what they need to do, whether they feel like it or not. Yeah. Right? They have that discipline of now. So, so two people can go to the conference, right? They both hear the same message. They get the same idea. But that person that has the discipline of now, as soon as he gets back, that's implemented. Mm. The other person, oh, yeah, I, I got busy and uh, yeah, I didn't have time. I hadn't had a chance. Really. Yeah, my notes, they're in a the car somewhere. I got to go back and get it. Yeah, that was a great conference, though. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Yeah, well said. I, I love that because it's it's implementation. It's the person. My mission is, and 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 I, I want you to share yours too. So we're gonna go down this road. It's perfect. That's a perfect segue. Is so my mission is to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action, so they can be the best version of themselves. Not my version. Not your version. Not their mom's version. Nobody else's version. To really truly create themselves, to really, truly have the narrative to create the best version of us. And it comes through behavior, right? Because we have to change something we do to have something different. And then it comes belief in action. And you just touched on the action. That's when I actually believe in the plan. I see the plan. You've done all these coaching sessions, right? Mm-hmm. And we get these people and you, the person comes in and they sit down. And I love the business person that sits down and say, I'm ready to scale my business, right? We did $300,000 last year and I know we have a million dollar business. And I say, yeah, okay, great. Let's see it. We look at the metrics and we build this plan. And I say, okay, great. So here's the million dollar plan, literally. And they go, I say, there's a coin that I have here and it's called belief. Here's the first side. Do you believe in this plan? Do you believe in this plan? 
and they look at it and they look and they go, yes, that metric. And we do this. If we make that many calls and we have this many, yep, Jeremy, that plan is going to work, man. I say, great. So the belief is there in the plan. And now here is the other side of the coin. I'm going to flip this thing and we're going to turn it over. Here's the other side of belief. Do you believe that you are worthy of that goal? Do you believe that you are capable of achieving that? And do you believe that if you do, if you are, that you are worthy, capable, and deserving of those kind of results? You see, because a lot of times that's what's holding us back. And so I love what you're saying because, again, these two people come to the conference and what happens? They get the same information. The skill is the same. The knowledge is the same. It's all there. What actually holds them back from one of them leaves there, goes and implements it just like you did with that one thing that you got from them. One, right? You didn't say, hey, I did 50 different things. I did the whole entire plan. No, no. I implemented one thing. I did it at a high level and it gave me crazy results, both, you know, probably emotionally, spiritually, and financially, right? So with that being said, when you see that as a coach or as, you know, and as a leader or a mentor, how do you get that person past that point? The belief factor, that belief in themselves that they, the difference is, yeah, you got to implement, you got to take action. What makes the one person take action and one person not? And maybe we don't have that direct answer, but how do you help somebody get past that point? Well, I think you have to recognize that you're, you're not going to get to the next place if there's a mental block, if, if belief is an issue. It took me a while to figure that out. So I would, in your scenario, you talk about scaling the business. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to scale the business. I'm, I'm focusing on what it takes to scale the business, but I've just learned to listen out for certain things. Mm-hmm. So if, when someone says, oh, I can't, that, that just, I, you know, I, I have to address, you know, okay, well, what's stopping you? Before we can move forward, they, the mental block has to be, most of the time when someone is just really stuck, I would say at least 80% of the time, it's a belief issue. Mm. And a lot of times it's this unwillingness to take ownership. It's, oh, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's an election year. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's the pandemic. Oh, it's a chicken wing shortage. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's anything except them. Like no one ever says, oh, you know, yeah. I am the problem. I'm mm-hmm. the one. That's a lot of things I'm, when I'm working with someone, I have to get them to take ownership before we can really move forward. But no, I, I, it's the space between the years that you really have to make sure it's right. And, that, and so in my book, I've got a model that helps people overcome procrastination. It's called the Procrastination Prevention Pyramid. And that the foundation of it is your attitude. Mm. That's the foundation of your success. When you were talking about the belief and the coin, I mean, that is perfect because you have to start there. I love that the basis is your attitude. It's, it's true. And one of the things, you know, again, with, with, with Optimal Self and, and what we teach and bring, and we have a saying that is the moment, the moment you will take responsibility for everything in your life, where you're sitting right now, your bank account, the car you drive, the job you have, your spouse. The moment you take responsibility for everything in your life, you unlock the potential to have anything in your life. 
And, and you, you're speaking right to my, right to my heart, man, like right to my core, because I see it so many times of people not taking responsibility for where they are. Oh, I get this all the time being an ex-professional, you know, baseball player. And I see somebody that they're like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I could have done it. But I, you know, the coach didn't like me or, you know, my dad wasn't around. I'm like, oh, yeah, me neither. You know what I mean? Like they're just excuses, right? Like, I love what you've said so far because it's so true. So when you get that person at the bottom is attitude, what is that next level of that pyramid? So once we address the attitude, the next is awareness. And you really need to be aware of your patterns. So as it relates to procrastination, I talk to people and they always say, Eric, you know, I I always procrastinate. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. I've yet to meet anybody that procrastinates in every area of their life all the time. Like I I know people who, when it comes to their household, they're on it. They pick the kids on time and make sure they get the homework done. But there's something work-related they'll procrastinate on. And and a lot of times it's just as simple as, I just don't like doing the task. It's task aversion. So I'm just going to avoid doing it for as long as I possibly can. But the key is just being aware, you know, like being aware of your power time. This is big too. Because, you know, we have these, this clock, you know, so some people, their energy first thing, you know, they, they, the ideas start flowing first thing in the morning. But then some people are, are night owls. Some people get going later. And the key is, can you schedule your high priority activities during the time when you have energy? And this, you know why this is important? Let me tell you why. Because one of the things that frustrates me about our industry is they make you think that you're a loser if you don't wake up at 3.30 every morning, (laughs) right? That's not your thing, and it's okay. But the key, it's all about awareness. Awareness is the most important thing. So really becoming aware of your power times and your tendencies, and, and the book will help you to do that. Yeah. That is so well said. I hope people heard that is nobody procrastinates on everything. It's very true, right? It's another thing with time. That's probably the number one thing I, I get. Oh, I don't, I, I don't have enough time. Like, <laughs> uh, no, you don't make time, right? Like, Because we make time for what's important. And just like you said, we just procrastinate over the things that we don't want to get done or they don't feel like they're the meaning. But you're right. You know, because the self-determination theory, it's a psychology theory. Part of that, it will, it's competency, right? People get, the number one is competency, self-determination theory. What I self-determine, I will do kind of the motivation to do things. When you're very competent at something, people will do it. Number two is autonomy, which we kind of touched on. When you take responsibility, like you are responsible for you, then that's a huge high level of motivation. People are like, if it's up to me, I got to do it. When you have that, you have a, your, your level of motivation increases. Your level of self-determination increases. And the final one, you kind of just touched on it, is, is relationships. Meaning, here's what happens, parents, because trust me on this. They have this procrastination. They're not getting the shit done that they want to get done. When you have to be responsible to others, and you touched on it with, in both of our missions, right, is the impact we want to leave in, in helping others. Because when you're responsible for others, and they're like, well, I don't really have that in my life. I'm like, do you have children? Yes. I said, okay, let me ask you this. Your child is three, four, five years old. They're in their bedroom playing. You're sitting in the kitchen. You're sitting in the living room. And you hear a loud bang and a huge scream. No matter what you're doing, 
no matter what is going on. I don't care if there's a fire, something's going on on the kitchen, on the kitchen stove, everything goes out the window and you, and you run. Do you or do you not? It, 100% say yes, right? Because sure. you are responsible for someone else. Oh my gosh, are they okay? What just happened, right? We're, we immediately respond. Now again, that's drastic, but when you are responsible for others, people get motivated really, really quickly. And the same thing goes, and I'm sure with procrastination. So you have your attitude. Now you got a bit of awareness. What happens next? Animation. And that has everything to do with your energy levels. And if you look at times that you procrastinated, if you look at your pattern, it's usually if you're in a low energy cycle. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Maybe you haven't worked out in a while. Maybe you've been working for long stretches without a break. And that's why you really have to pay attention to your energy levels because for me, it's more about energy management than it is time management and recovery. And you know, I've run marathons and half marathons. And one of the things I've taken away from those experiences is that recovery is just as important as your training. Can you fit in breaks where you're not on and pressing and and then when you get back when you renew your energy cycle you're that much more effective and you find yourself you're not procrastinating less it's funny i was reading something that was saying a lot of indiscretions and bad decisions happen like on friday evenings and a lot of that is just because again your energy cycle's low you've been making all these decisions the whole week and if you're not monitoring your energy your willpower's down and, and you're more likely to procrastinate and make make wow. a big mistake. Oh, I hope everybody heard that. That is super powerful because it's so true, right? It's like you hear the stories of like the Navy SEALs, right? The buds. And one of the things that they do is they have what's called hell week. It's before but the training, buds training even starts. And it's all sleep deprivation. It's getting you up at odd times. They have the term, right? Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's exactly sure. what you just said, right? I mean, yeah. even at our normal everyday level, that's crazy. By Friday, man, my decision-making is terrible. <laughs> Probably why the greatest commercials in the world were like, thank God it's Friday, right? It's why they built happy hour, right? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Because they know they're going to get you. Like, you know, Tuesday, you might not make happy hour. But Friday, your decision-making is so down. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. <laughs> oh, man. So well said. Well said. I love it. So talk to me about this. You 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 made a little reference to it earlier. And, and I want to bring it up again because I think it's really important. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about mentors? But I think that, it, that, that you kind of asked them. But how have mentors played a part in your life and then... Being a mentor, how is that affecting you as well in your life today? Well, first, let me talk about mentors. So, you know, we do the podcast at 30 Minute Hour, mm-hmm. and, and my co host and I, Ted Fells, and, and, and we have these guests on. And without fail, the people that are just really, we have some people that just really are just killing it. There's this high level people, they're making it happen. They've always mentioned the M word. You know, and Ted, we just have a running joke like, give it time, they're going to say something about mentors. And, and without fail, they always say, talk about the impact that a mentor has had on them. And I can say the same thing. You know, every step of my journey, like when I was starting out in speaking, I was participating in the speech contest with Toastmasters. I was referred to, his name's Ed Tate. He's like 
he was the world champion of public speaking. He speaks all over the world. He's this big time guy, right? I'm not at this time. I'm not paying him anything. I was referred by a friend, and I just I asked him a question about the speaking industry, and he was talking to me for like an hour. He's giving me all these tips, just telling me like his failures, his struggles, what to look out for. And I'm like, man, this guy doesn't know me from a can of paint. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I hope the meter isn't running, you know. <laughs> and Dr. Willie Jolly, he's good friends with Les Brown, Hall of Fame speakers, done all kinds of things. And I remember I met him at an event. Just We just exchanged business cards, doesn't know me from a can of paint. I send him an email with a question about the speaking industry. And within minutes, he sends me this long, detailed email. With, with what I should do and who I should call and what steps I should take. <laughs> Those experiences like stayed with me. And like, he's like that to this, like I can email him something right now. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee, and I don't know how he does it. I don't know what his systems are, but he, I'm telling you, he'll get right back to me with this great advice. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I've always felt that, you know, so, cause now people ask me for advice. I try to be present for them. I just know how important it is. And having a mentor can just save you so much time and really shorten your learning curve. For people out there, the listener, I love like actionable steps and everything that you've said with attitude, awareness, even the animation. I mean, obviously get your book, obviously listen to the 30-minute hour. What are some action steps? I know for myself, I, I mean, mentors that I've never had a chance to meet in person. But people that I've read their books or I've listened to their podcasts or, you know, heck, I've checked out their YouTube channel and, and you know, getting inspiration and ideas from them. Are, is there anything that you do in your life today, one, to get more information or that mentorship side? And then is there anything that you do to help others directly? One of the things as far as like, I think you can have distant mentors and I think the first step is if, if there's something you want to excel at, the first thing to do is find someone who is already excelling, right? It sounds simple, but most people don't do that. Right. Yeah, find someone who's already excelling. So for me, one of my distant mentors, never met him, never spoke to him, Tim Ferriss as a podcaster. He's someone that I just like how he listens and asks his questions and how he prepares. I think I prepare in a similar fashion. That's been helpful. I, I listen to this podcast on a regular basis just to kind of get that little edge, you know? So that, that's one of the things. But I'm, all, I'm the president of the What Now movement. We have, what, 1,600 plus people in this Facebook group. And, and they're constantly, you know, reaching out to me with questions on different things. How do I start a podcast? What's your, what's your advice on, you know, writing a book? I'm looking to get into coaching. And yeah, sure. I mean, I just, I make the time to be available. Mm. Well, for the listener, that's fantastic. Surrounding yourself with people, right? Environment matters. And sometimes that environment can be in a Facebook group. That environment can be digitally as well. Is that an open group? Can people get part of it? How, how can people become part of that? You basically go on Facebook and you type in the What Now Movement be a button that says request to join, mm. click the button and we'll let you in. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, you know, we, we, we're always sharing ideas and best practices and we're putting out, I have to tell you the quick backstory of how the movement started. Yeah, please. So it started because so I'm the president, 
And my co-host is one of my vice presidents, Dr. Sharon H. Porter, another good friend of mine, business partner. She's also involved in the movement. She's uh, one of the other vice presidents. We were talking about how we wanted to work together. And then the pandemic started. And we started talking about the pandemic and people kept telling us, oh, yeah, I'm going to launch this venture, but I'm going to wait until things get back to normal. And then we were like, no, you, that's the, you should be asking yourself, OK, what now? And then all the light bulbs went, oh, the what now movement. <laughs> you know? And so we, we call it the what now movement because we want to inspire people to pivot and, and not just stop. A lot of people have stopped. But then other people, there are people in the movement who, since the pandemic, have been doing better than they ever were before the pandemic because they've looked at different ways to pivot. So that's the whole point of the movement. And it's in line with the book, The Discipline of Now. It's, you know, just keep moving forward. What can you do? That's the whole spirit of the What Now movement. It reminds me of, I think it's the Darwin quote that he says, it's not the smartest or the most knowledgeable species that survives. It's the most adaptable to change. Yes. And that's what we saw, you know, especially with the pandemic and businesses and things like that. Like, our business thrived. I mean, you know, I know that there's people out there and it's very difficult to talk about in a sense because I hate, you know, I don't want to put anybody else down. And I know that there's restaurants and things like that, gym owners that lost their businesses. And so it's a horrible thing around the country. But we pivoted very quickly and, and we had the best year in the history of our company. And so, I mean, it's kind of what you're saying is like, yeah, man, like you got to pivot. You got to move quickly. You got to do it. And even, even some of the local restaurants that I see that have done well and are still around is they went straight to takeout, right? Like, okay, we're still serving you. You can take it out. Just show up. We'll, you know, pick it up on your side. It'll be like they found a way to do it, whatever that is. And, and it's interesting, you know, as a business owner, you know, you see people make that pivot and they do it. But the non-business owner, the people that, that are just, you know, in a job or in a life that you're right, that they just chosen not to move. They've chosen, they got stuck, right? For those people out there that are listening that are like, oh yeah, okay, Jeremy, okay, Eric, you guys have pivoted and thrived and you guys are this and that and you have all this, but but it's not, right? It's the work that we put in, but it's also willing to learn. But but what advice would you have for somebody out there that's, that is feeling a little bit stuck? I think clarity is the starting point of success, right? I think you have to focus. Where where are you trying to get? Where are you trying to get to? And really be as clear as possible, right? You have to look at it. And when I work with people, you know, I'll have them project, let's say, five years from now. And you're talking to your business partner, you're talking to your spouse, and you're saying, you know what? We did it. What is it? You know? <laughs> Yeah. What is that? You know, and a lot of times when you when you shift your perspective and you put yourself in the future, it makes it easier for you to start thinking about those things. But a lot of times people are stuck because they're not clear on where their destination is. And then to compound the problem, when you don't have clarity, you don't have a clear destination. Everything sounds like a good idea. So people say, "Hey, you know, you want to." Chair this committee? Sure. Want to join this organization? Absolutely. No problem. Now you're <laughs> now you don't know where you want to go and you're bogged down with all these things that don't line up with your passion. So I would say my advice would be to really take a moment and get clear. And it, and it may not be something that you can accomplish on your own. You may need the help of a mentor. You may need to hire a coach who can kind of draw it out of you and help you to gain that clarity that you're looking for. 
something comes to mind and this is just off the cuff is like, so how do you determine what you say no to? Something that stuck with me years and years ago was Steve Jobs. And in an interview, he said, I, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's changed the world, right? The iPhone is in most people's hands today. The iPad, like everything that they've done, right? Started with, with the little, you know, the, you know, the iTunes today, the way that music is. I mean, they've just revolutionized the way we, we do things. And in the interview, he said, I am way more proud of the ideas and the things that we said no to. Mm-hmm. And man, it hit me hard. So you, you kind of alluded to it right there is like, oh yeah, I'll say yes to this and I'll say yes to this. But the truth is when you say yes to something, that means you're saying no to something else. So in order for them to create the iPad or to create the iPhone or to create whatever, they had to be saying no to so many other things to get that done. So for you, how does that fall on you? So for me, like the high level people that I've been around know is their default until they get more information. So, so I, I think that's the key. Just really make know the default until you have more information. I, and, I, and I work with other people that make a no list where they just basically ahead of time, they say, if this comes up, I'm going to say no. If they ask me to be president of this organization, I'm going to say no. But the bottom line is that you need to be, once you're clear and something someone presents you a request, you, you have to say, okay, how does this line up with where I'm going to go and what I'm looking to do. And you have to know it always takes longer than they tell you. It's always more involved than it's presented to you. (laughs) (laughs) If they say it's going to take an hour of your time a week, count on it taking two at least. (laughs) So, So you have to know that. You have to know that going in. And then you have to recognize you're not just, you're not saying no to the individual. You're really saying no to this particular opportunity. And I think if if you can make that separation, it's easier. It's the opportunity you're saying no to. You just don't have the bandwidth. So that's kind of my thing. The higher you go, the farther you get, the more opportunities are presented, right? It's it's not going to be less opportunities because when success leaves clues and when people see success, they they want part of it. They want you to bring that success over to them. So what you say no to is is important because what you say yes to means you're saying no to other things. That's so well said. And, and it, I love it, man. It, it all comes back to clarity. It's like, are you clear on where you're going? Are you clear on what you're doing? And so when this opportunity arises, it's like, do I want to do that? I do this all the time with people. It's like, we get all the time people who want to lose weight. We're in the most obese country in the world. Everything that you've been told about about food and the FDA and everything is wrong. Let's just put it that way. And, and I'll leave it at that. But when those people come and they're like, man, it, enough is enough, right? I, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. You know, I've had kids for the last decade. I've done nothing but, you know, take care of this and take care of that and work. And I've left myself behind. I want, I want to do more. I want to drop this, right? It's not just about the weight. It's about why is that important to you? Because if we don't get to that, the, the, the number on the scale is never going to matter that much. It really doesn't. It, it might drive you for a little bit, but the moment that you've done work and it doesn't change, they start to go, oh, yeah. And that desire, that motivation, that whatever they had goes away. And so we, we dig into the why. Why is that important to you? And it comes back to the clarity. Because when they're clear on something, and I say it to them this way, when you sit down at that table and it's, it's your friend's birthday and there's five of you sitting there and they bring out that one piece of cheesecake 
right? And they give everybody a spoon. Not a whole thing, not everybody getting their own, no. And each person goes around and they're digging in and you are on this journey. You're like, man, that 50 pounds, that 80 pounds, that 100 pounds is so important and you know your why, it's 100% clarity. When it gets to you, it's easy to just go, no, sorry, it's not in alignment with where I'm going. Thank you, but you guys enjoy. You guys enjoy. So how's everybody doing, right? Like you, it's unaffected. But if you don't have that clarity that you just spoke about, you're 99%. Like that 1% sliver, you're like, oh, they took a little and they took a little. Because let's be honest, that one little sliver isn't going to matter. It's not. You're not going to put on the 100 pounds back today. That's not going to happen. But what that does is it allows you to have that chink in your armor in all areas of your life. And how you are here is how you are everywhere. It chinks and chinks and now the relationship and now business and now this, it goes back to the procrastinate, like, because we don't have true clarity. But when you do, it is really the most powerful tool we have because it's, it makes decision-making easy. What you talked about is really getting clear on your values. When, right. when you can start to line up the action with the value, the, the chances that you procrastinating are slim to none. I've done exercise with people where you just keep asking why. Mm-hmm. Why is this important to you? What's important to you about that? Until you really get to that emotional core. So, for example, if it's eating the cheesecake, you know, or you know, not eating cheesecake anymore, I mean, you, if you get to the point where, it's, you know, my parent passed away in an early age because of health issues, and I don't want that to happen to my child. Well, yeah, the chances of you turning that cheesecake down are pretty good <laughs> because now it's connected to something emotional. I, I did yeah. it with someone. She said she wanted to make more money in her business. I'm like, well, why is that important to you? Well, yeah, because you know, I want to be able to have more time. Well, why is that more important? And finally, she said, she got started getting emotional. She said, I want to have kids one day. Hmm. I, I want to have kids. I can't do that right now. Once we really connected to that, she was now motivated, but that motivated, like you said, it, it came from her really being connected to that, that value. All right, let's, we're going to get into a fun part real quick. And you've already touched on a couple of words. Just, I mean, and it's really because we're so in alignment with who we are and our mission. So we call them quick hitters here at Optimal Self in, in these conversations. And so I'm just going to give you a word and I want you to, to riff on it, where it fits in your life and how it is. So in these quick hitters, word number one is discipline. What does that mean to you? And when you hear it, what comes to mind? It's my superpower, I think. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things is I think you can develop discipline. I don't know that I could say that I was born with it necessarily, but I think it's something you can cultivate and develop. And I think it's the key to freedom. If you can will yourself to do things, if you can discipline yourself to do certain things, that, that's what produces freedom. Our final word of quick hitters is impact. What does that mean to you and, and where does that hit you? Having a positive effect on the life of someone, on, on their trajectory. Because I just, it's just so powerful. You, you can literally change someone's trajectory you know, by what you say. And, and if they move on what you're saying, their, their trajectory, how far they can go can change. So I think when you're affecting someone's trajectory, that's impact. Yeah, man. Well... I can say this, man, the impact that, that, that you are leaving in so many areas is, is amazing. We are honored to have you with us today, man. So I can't wait to re-listen to this because there's <laughs> so much gold in there, man. I, I really appreciate you today. Where, where can people follow along? Where can they get in touch with you? You know, I'm sure there's going to people hear this that are like, I'm in alignment with all of that. We, 
and we got the Facebook group, but but where else can they find you and, and follow along? So you can go to my website uh, to get the book. It's thedisciplineofnow.com. Go to thedisciplineofnow.com. You can pick up the book. It's in paperback, ebook, and in audio format. You can also check us out on the 30 Minute I'm More podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify and anywhere else you like to get your podcast. Those will, we'll have all the links to all of that in the show notes. So again, man, Eric, I cannot thank you enough. I look forward to another conversation with you, man. It was good stuff. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being who you are. And to everybody out there, until next time, get out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.